Welcome to the Rise Method podcast, where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve. Let's jump in. Hey folks, Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Rise Method podcast. In today's episode, we are answering a few questions that were submitted by members of the Rise community. Now, some of these questions are going to be a little bit technical. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be really awesome. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we start, I want to quickly tell you about our upcoming challenge, which starts on the 4th of September. We are moving the Rise Method onto a brand new app, so a mobile app and a web portal. So if you're not a fan of the app, you can log in in the web portal. Uh, it's going to be a six-week challenge. Now, the app is really cool. It's really awesome. We have uh, meal tracking, and meal tracking, you can take a photo of your meal, and then you can write comments about it. You can select what ingredients are in that meal, or you could scan a barcode, which is really cool, all included in our app. We have a range of training programs. So we have the muscle up training program, which is all about building muscle and the shape up training program. It's all about losing weight and getting in shape. We also have the workout of the day where I post a workout of the day, a wad, and also a few stretch sessions. And that's going to be an ever growing library of resources there as well. Um, we also have a range of tracking tools. So you can sync activity trackers to our mobile app. Um, and you can track things like your steps and your sleep and your heart rate and your blood pressure and all the good stuff. So that's really cool as well. And we've also got um, a community chat area as well. So you can join in the conversation, chat with other members. And as we go into the programs, you'll be able to chat into with uh, other individuals that are following the same program as you. So it's a really cool and awesome feature of the Rise Method and we're excited for you to try it out. And you can try it for free for seven days on the Kickstart Challenge. And if you complete the Chicks kick start challenge kick start challenge on the seventh day you'll get a sweet discount to the upcoming september challenge now the september challenge is really awesome the way that it's set up is that you earn points for all the workouts you complete and for meeting your daily nutrition goals and if you accumulate enough points you reach the threshold you win a prize and we'll give you 50 bucks so we'll give you 50 bucks and you also go in the running to win our uh, major prize of $1,000 in cash. So all you need to do is to get fit. So all you need to do is to train and to eat well. Uh, we'll give you 50 bucks back and then you go in the running to win uh, $1,000. That's just going to be a random name picked out of the hat. So we're celebrating people who put in effort into transforming their lives, transforming their fitness, getting fit and staying fit. Also part of the membership, you'll get access to a meal plan. So that's a specific personalized meal plan plan to you with awesome features where you could swap out recipes, swap out meals, and this is all catered to your preferences. So vegan, vegetarian, or a regular diet, uh, and also how many meals you'd like in a particular day. Um, and then on top of that, you'll get bonus access to the vault. The vault will be our online digital vault where you get access to uh, eBooks and the old uh, spreadsheets that we had, the training plans and the meal plans. If you're not a fan of the web portal or the um, app, you can use the previous spreadsheets and you also get a range of recipe books as well. So lots of value presented to you in the September challenge. So we hope you come and join us. But enough of that, let's talk about a few of these technical questions. First question here comes from Christy. Christy asks, hi coaches, just wondering, is it possible to measure increases in muscle size or is it done via a variety of ways e.g. body measurements, adherence to calorie deficit or surplus, and photographs. Okay, so yes, we have spoken about this in the past, but let's go into a bit of a, a conversation about it. So main question is asking, how do we measure muscle growth? So of course, we can measure muscle growth from things like photographs. You know, you take a photo um, at the start, and then, you know, you wait uh, six weeks, 12 weeks, three, uh, three months, six months, uh, a year. You might be able to see 
a transformation. You might be able to see some muscle growth. You might be able to like flex your biceps and go, oh, yeah, my biceps are growing. Or maybe you see the change in the shape of your body. Um, so you can certainly see some transformation. However, in the short term, you know, if you were on a muscle building strategy and you wanted to measure week to week progress with a month to month progress, is it working? Am I growing muscle? When you're looking at these photos, it can be a little bit of a spot the difference game. You know, when you squint your eyes and turn your head, you go, oh, what's the difference? And some of those differences might be simply um, the filter that you use or the time of day that you film yourself or the location that you're filming yourself in. So it might not be able to show progress. And when we've been training hard for a month, and working hard for two months, three months, four months, and we're just looking at the photos and we're like, oh, I just can't see any muscle growth. It can be hard. And muscle growth is a very slow process. You know, for, for me, if I'm focusing for a good 12 months to gain muscle, I might be able to gain, you know, maybe a couple of kilos, and that might not be uh, super obvious in a photo. So if you have my, my January 2022 photo next to my January 2023 photo, I know that I've gained some muscle, I hope they've gained some muscle, um, but the photos might not have completely shown that because of the changes in the, the camera or the, the filter that's used or the lighting of the day and how I took the photo and that's those types of things. So photos can be helpful, it has limitations. The next is body measurements. So you might be thinking, well, you know, if I'm trying to grow my biceps, I just measure my arm and I can see if I'm growing in size. And that certainly can be a plan. Um, the limitation, of course, is that if you had trained arms that day, you might have a bit of a pump, so your arms are a little bit bigger, um, depending on where you measure on your arm. So if you measured, let's say, uh, from the armpit, maybe a few fingers down from the armpit, trying to measure around the arms, or maybe four fingers up from the elbow crease, that might measure a certain portion of your bicep. But when you're trying to gain muscle, you might be like, well, I want my arms to get bigger. I'm measuring at this point, that might not be the point where you're gaining the most muscle. Your tricep might be growing, you know, a few centimeters up or down. That might be where the peak of the, the bulk of your tricep growth or your bicep growth occurring. Now, when we think about muscle growth across the whole body, it's not that we're growing muscle around just one spot. We might be growing around our legs and our arms and our chest and our back. So muscle growth might be equivalent of a few kilos across our entire body. So if we're measuring just our arms, the change across one month, two months, three months, six months, might only be like half a centimeter. And that could just simply be an error of things like the pump, how hydrated you are, where you measure it, if the tape measure is on an angle or folded on itself or not. So measurements can be helpful, but then they can also be a little bit misleading. Because ultimately what we wanna determine is, yes, what I'm doing every day, every week, every month is working, that I'm successfully moving in the right direction. Next, you can think about the adherence to a calorie deficit surplus. Yeah, sure. Uh, now, what that is inferring is that if you are building muscle, you want to be on a calorie surplus. You need to have an excess of energy so that you can grow. Now, the reason why we want excess is because we're trying to add muscle mass. We're trying to add tissue to our body. And we can't just make that tissue out of nowhere. We need to consume extra resources so that we can grow. So if we... So therefore, if we're trying to add tissue to our body and we're trying to add muscle, we're trying to add and get bigger, we need to see that our body weight is increasing. So we need to see that we are successfully adding body weight so that we're successfully adding muscle mass. Now, the problem with that is that when we are gaining weight, it's hard to determine if it's muscle mass or body fat or bone mineral density. But what we want is to see a gradual increase. Now, we can measure the likelihood that it is muscle by the rate of weight gain. Now, if we're gaining 
weight at a rate of 0.5 to 1% of our body weight per month, then it's likely that that is muscle mass being added onto our body or lean body mass, maybe some bone mineral density, or maybe some increase in our organ size, which happens sometimes, mainly muscle mass. So good things are happening if we're gaining rate at, weight at a slow rate. 0.5 to 1% of our body weight per month. Now, if it's more than that, greater than that, you know, one, two, three percent of our body weight, uh, that can be indicative of more body fat being added. So if I'm about 100 kilos over the course of a month, I want to be adding about 500 grams to a kilo of body weight so that I can confidently say that, yeah, that's likely muscle mass. Sure, a bit of body fat is likely to be added as well, uh, but in the general trend, we want to be adding body weight at that rate. Now, it's not always about that. We wants to also ensure that our training in the gym is improving. We want to see performance improvements over that time. So if we are gaining weight at a, at a relatively slow rate, 0.5 to 1% of our body weight per month, or you know maybe a quarter of a percent of our body weight per week, which can be very small, very hard to identify. So you need to measure weekly averages, not just random days at a time. And then we want to measure that our training performance is increasing. So that could be adding more reps when we are training, maybe adding more weights, more sets, or more volume over time. And this can get hard as we become more advanced because we're reaching kind of like the peak of our training. So, you know, for, for me, I can specialize in, let's say, the squat and get really good at the squat in, you know, six, 12 weeks as I train in, you know, powerlifting events and be able to squat close to two, two and a half times my body weight. But right now I'm not focusing on my squat, so I would need to rework on my squat and I'm focusing on other things. So if I was trying to build muscle in my legs, I would need to specialize in focusing on my legs because I've been training for a long time and focus on the other parts of my body, just keep them at maintenance. So I might be doing an upper body kind of maintenance where the volume's a little bit lower, maybe the intensity is a little bit lower because I'm focusing on growing my legs and then I'll cycle through. Unfortunately, when we get really advanced, we get to a point where we can't continue to grow everything because we need to focus all our resources into a certain area to grow. Kind of like as you get specialized in your career, maybe at the very start of your career, let's say you're an accountant, you're learning how to you know, balance the books and you're learning what debtors are and what creditors are and how the software platform you're using works and how to write emails and get tax receipts and you know, do tax returns. And you're learning everything about accounting then as you progress through your career you might start to specialize oh i'm working at tax accounting and then you're specializing even further okay i'm working at um you know corporate tax accounting focusing on you know deductions of large assets or something right so you're getting really specialized in your career and then if you were to learn a new area so let's say you wanted to step out of that you know kind of corporate tax world and you want to work in a different area of accounting maybe let's say uh, bookkeeping or something you might need to not focus as deeply on accounting in that tax area and then move into bookkeeping so you continue to develop there so your career you need to spend more resources to learn something in the same way as building muscle as you become more developed you need to spend more resources and time focusing on specific areas that you can continue to see growth now the likelihood that you are at that stage right now mm, quite low what tends to happen is folks join us for things like um, the challenge where we're trying to just improve our body composition we're trying to get in shape get healthy those types of things and as we start to specialize and become more advanced we honestly kind of uh, move on a little bit so we tend to go and enter competitions or maybe become a coach or work into fitness uh, and kind of outgrow what we're doing here so the likelihood of you the listener finding those challenges unlikely now how do you know that you can are building muscle successfully? The main point is one, we're trying to increase our body weight slowly over time. 
And two, we're trying to see improvements in our performance over time in the gym. If we tick those two boxes, then we can confidently be saying, yes, I am growing muscle. So interesting question, hard one to measure. Um, but as long as those two variables being ticked, great, happy days. Next question here comes from Dean. Dean asks, hey coaches, I'm currently doing the build program and eating a calorie surplus to try and build my physique. One thing I'm still stuck on, which I've been, when I eventually switch to a weight loss eating plan, do I need to make any specific alterations to my training plan? I.e., do I need to focus on achieving the higher end of the rep range perhaps, and perhaps expect less progression, or just push through on the exact same build type program and simply reduce calorie intake cheers? Look, Dean, great question. Love the question. So essentially when we are on a muscle building training plan, we are trying to stimulate muscle growth. That's the ultimate goal. We're trying to stimulate muscle growth by, by prioritizing resistance training. And if we are eating at an energy surplus, we are providing resources so our body can grow because we're providing that stimulus for muscle, great muscle growth. Now, when we transition into a weight loss diet, where we're in an energy deficit, where we're starting to lose weight, we ideally want to follow almost an identical training program so that we can continue to stimulate muscle growth. Now, muscle growth may not occur because we don't have excess resources, but what happens is we get into a position where we can preserve as much muscle mass as we can while we are losing weight. So when we are going through a fat loss diet, or our goal is fat loss, if we are losing weight and our performance in the gym stays relatively the same, and we are trying to stimulate as much muscle growth as we can, we minimize how much muscle loss occurs while we're trying to lose weight, therefore leading to fat loss. Okay, so ideally what we want to do is follow a similar program. It's not wise to change things up like our oh, training at the higher rep range, because then you're implying that you're going to lower the load, lower the load on the bar so you can get more reps out. And this might be an old idea where we're trying to like, you know, quote, tone the muscles of things. That's not a thing. Um, what we're still trying to do is we're trying to train and stimulate muscle growth. Now, we can't expect the same progression as if we were in an energy surplus, simply because we are dieting, we are in an energy deficit, we've got a lack of energy, so we might not see the same uh, kind of effort in the gym, our, our performance might slowly decrease over time, um, and we might not expect the same progression. But you might find progression in other ways. Maybe you see progression in your technique execution, or maybe in the, the intensity that you come, the mindset you come into the gym with. Um, so those types of things are really great, but in terms of pure performance, might not be a, a really massive one. Now, you might see a difference between things like our muscle up program and our shape up program, mainly so that the shape up program can help to uh, stimulate a little bit of muscle growth with this kind of higher intensity activity, trying to get this little bit of what we call a metabolic um, conditioning circuit happening. So we get a little bit sweaty, a little bit of a pump, and maybe a little bit of a, an epoch effects. So that's the exercise. Um, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, meaning that as we complete this kind of like higher intensity activity, we might spend a little bit more energy through the next 24 hours, just because we need more oxygen <laughs> for that. Um, and that's the kind of the, the idea around that. But there's no reason why you couldn't follow up, follow the shape up training program style or the muscle up training program style in an energy deficit so that you can successfully transform your physique. So the main takeaway, Dean, you don't need to make any drastic changes. You can keep doing what you're doing. You use the words like push through 
and if you were transitioning into a you know new diet new goal you might benefit from just some slight tweak up into your training program just to allow for some uh, variations something new and exciting to happen in your training because if you're kind of pushing through that kind of implies all right maybe you're a little bit bored of your training program or you've kind of just had enough of it you might benefit from just a slight tweak up and that could be maybe introducing a few new exercises to your program maybe changing the rep ranges slightly so that you know instead of the you do instead of doing like a squat leg press um, leg extension on a, on a legs day, for example, you might do a, a squat, then maybe like a, a lunge, um, and then maybe a heel elevated front squat, something like that, where you change exercises slightly, and then the rep ranges might change slightly. So instead of doing a 5 to 10, and then 10 to 15, 15 to 20, you might do 8 to 12, and then maybe um, a, a 15 to 20, um, and then at the very last one might be higher, 20 to 30. So you might modify the rep ranges just to keep something new and fresh, but not for the intent of trying to tone a muscle because that's not a thing. Final question here, a little bit of a long one, stick with it, it's gonna be good. So I have a question about training splits. I currently work out on four consecutive days, not because it's ideal, I know it isn't, but it's the most practical way to get my workouts in without having to stress about getting through them before my toddler wakes, getting ready for work, etc. Okay, fair point, making it work for you. Would I be best to do a body part split where I'm training a different muscle group on each of these four days? My concern is, is training a muscle just once a week enough frequency for muscle growth? Or is it more about how hard you work during that one session? Okay, so that's the first part. There's another part, but we'll get to that in a moment. So yes, firstly, training, however we meet training, is the best way to approach it. So uh, Christy, who asked this question, She's making work for her four days in a row. Is it ideal? Probably not, but is it a way to get it done? Yes, so tick, training is better than no training. For this situation, because if we're training, let's say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and if we were doing upper, lower, upper, lower, you probably find that by Wednesday, you're pretty gassed from Monday sessions. It's only like, you know, 24 hours really in recovery from the, that time. And then even the Thursday session might be tired because you've just done three days of training back to back. So the Thursday session, um, centrally, you know, whole body might just be tired. So you might have a, a lower performing session on, on the Thursday, the fourth day, regardless on what you choose to train. So an upper lower might not be ideal. You can certainly train, let's say a bit of a, a full body where you do low amounts of volume for each muscle group across each of those days. So let's say instead of doing 10 sets of squats in a week, um, you could do, you know, two sets of squats, four days in a row so that you get a very small dosage of volume and a full body program can be certainly appropriate in this stage. But probably the most ideal in this situation would be like a classic quote bro split or like a body part split. We might do something like, you know, chest, back, legs, arms, something like that. Um, there's a few different ways you can kind of pull the string around. And when we look at research that compares, you know, the bro split to upper body to a full body, not a big difference in ultimate uh, results, um, as long as volume is equated. Now, of course, there are some like logistical things that may pref preferential certain training splits, but the training split you do choose doesn't really matter. It's just a way of organizing your trainings that we get the the dose or the volume of exercise in a particular week. So in this case, yeah, a, a body part split can be certainly appropriate. Frequency, ideally frequency, you know, for the most best opt uh, optimal muscle growth, we're gonna be trying to target at least twice a week, if not a little bit more. Um, we do see a little bit of benefit in training it more frequently. And an analogy would be, 
let's say you know you drive past a construction site tradies on the construction site and you know they're on the tools all day so they're constantly being stimulated by the tools to grow their you know forearms and their arms and their shoulders and they have like a general fitness and general muscularity from being on the tools all day so they wouldn't grow those muscles if they just were on the tools one day in the week because they're on the tools every single day. They have constant um, exposure to that stimulus. So they're constantly adapting growth. So that can be an appropriate way to think about it where um, the more frequent exposure we get to the stimulus of growing muscle, the more muscle that gets grown. However, when we look at like the golden era of bodybuilding, you know, that is built around training, you know, one body part at a time. So we can certainly see some good muscle growth from training, you know, chest and then back and then legs and then arms or shoulders or however you, you break it up. It really comes down to the intensity that you train and the overall volume. The problem with training in a body part split is if I was training my chest, I might do, let's say bench press, which is a, a horizontal press, then maybe incline, which might be um, a bit more of a vertical kind of pressing motion. And then maybe an isolation like a chest flyer. So I might do a barbell bench press, a dumbbell incline press, and then a, a chest fly, maybe another dumbbell chest fly. So I've hit my chest across, you know, a few different angles, maybe even adding like a dip in there as well to train a different part of my chest. So even just hitting those different areas of my chest, by the time I get to, let's say, the chest fly or even the dips, I'm so tired because I've just done a whole bunch of chest exercises. The synergous muscles or the accessory muscles, let's say, you know, through the shoulders, the shoulder muscles, the triceps are so fatigued from trying to train my chest that as I get to, you know, that chest fly and even like the dips, it's such a low effort of, it, of, of exercise that, you know, I might get more of a stimulus from trying to get off the floor by doing a bit of a dipping motion to get off the floor. So that's why if you spread those four exercises across four training sessions, you might find that you get a bigger effort in the bench press, a bigger effort in the dumbbell incline press, and even bigger effort in the chest fly because you've just done that that's the only exercise for the day. And then dips on the fourth day, even a bigger bout of exercise or, or performance. So uh, body part split does have its limitations. A potential benefit could be that, you know, you really kind of hammer that muscle, you push that muscle to its absolute limits. So if you focus on just hitting your chest on one particular day, you know that you're really pushing that chest to the absolute limits rather than, you know, little doses throughout the week. So the main point is that there are, there are pros and cons to how we organize our training. I do think for this particular instance, the a body part split could be appropriate. So we now move on to the second part of this question which was also, if I'm working each muscle group one day a week, how many different exercises would you recommend for each muscle group in that single session? I've always loved an upper lower split, but I'm finding I have residual soreness when the next upper or lower day comes around two days later. I don't mind the good sore, but worried it might hinder my progress or muscle growth. Okay, so first part, how many exercises? Well, ideally, we don't want a lot of exercises. The reason why is we want to choose an exercise that we can get better at that exercise. So let's say my example before the squat, I might choose to do the squat and I get better at the squat. So it's not like I'm doing 10 different legs exercises. I'm doing the squat. And I'm getting better at the squat. So we need to first think about the amount of exercises we choose and then the total volume. Now the total volume referring to sets, ideally we want anywhere between 10 to 20 sets per muscle group muscle group. So if we're doing, you know, one exercise squats, and we're trying to do the minimum 10 at 10 sets of squats, that's, that's a lot of squats. So if we did, let's say two exercises, that could be five sets of each. And if you love squats and love the leg press, okay, great. And then if it was three, you know, maybe three sets of each exercise, okay, it might be a bit more appropriate. Now, if we were doing, let's say 10 different legs 
or quad focused exercise, that's 10 exercises that you need to focus on getting better at. So you need to focus on get how to do the squat and how to do the leg press, how to do the leg extension, how to do the lunge, how to do the sissy squat, how to do the single leg pistol squat, how to do a front squat as well, how to do the hack squat, um, and how to do the V squat. So, you know, you kind of t- forcing yourself to learn lots of different things when you be better just focusing on a couple of things and then cycling through some other exercises. You get that kind of newbie gains every time you cycle through, but then you're not kind of overloading yourself to learn lots of things on just the quad exercises. Because imagine if you did 10 exercises for every single muscle group, you know, you need to learn how to execute a hundred different exercises in you know that week when you're probably better from focusing just on a few, getting really good at those over the course of four to six weeks or a little bit longer. And then you swap out the exercises. So ideally I would say three, exercises would be a good um, number to aim for. And then ideally, you know, that 10 to 20 sets of volume. So if we kind of go three with 10 sets of exercises, um, so three exercises with 10 sets of total work in a particular muscle group, that's a great place to start. When we're looking at residual soreness, it's worth reflecting on how intense the session was that led to that soreness. So if you're finding that you're training Monday and Wednesday because of life, and on Wednesday, you're so tired from your Monday session, you might need to review the total volume that you completed on the Monday. So how many sets did you do? What weight did you do? What proximity to failure did you do? Because we wanna be in a position on the Wednesday that we're ready to go. So if you are doing a body part split and you find that when you do your chest, you know, you're fatiguing through your chest, your shoulders, when you do legs, you need a little bit of chest and shoulders and that is hindering um, your progress in your legs, you might need to look at that Monday session and actually reduce the total volumes that you are ready on the Wednesday. So we're trying to look at the inputs. And of course, we can always reflect on um, the amount of uh, recoverability we have. So you know how much sleep we're having, what nutrition we're like, what hydration we're like, what our stress levels are like, so we're ready for that bout of exercise. Look team, I hope you followed along through this session here where we've gone a little bit of a deep dive into some topics around training. If you love this episode, let me know and we'll catch you next week for episode number 14 and we'll be kicking over to our brand new app. So make sure you go and check that one out. It's brand new, it's free for seven days. Go give it a try, let me know what you think. See you in the next one.